0: I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles a wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate.
1: Hello, Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are we have a tremendous episode for you guys. We are talking all about Bills needs, positional needs, top to bottom. Priority-wise, we're going to go into depth into each one of those and give you guys uh, a blueprint of what we're going to be going off of for free agency, the draft, uh and the ensuing episodes are going to happen throughout the rest of the off season but first this episode is brought to you by the DraftKings sportsbook at delago if you're in the western new york or central new york area do yourselves a favor check out the delago resort and casino it's a blast i love it we've we've been there several times i'm going to go back there again soon and uh and yeah you guys are definitely going to enjoy it so i'd like to welcome my co-host for this podcast john john how the heck are you doing man
0: Doing pretty good, pretty good, Nate. I'm uh, excited. Alright I know it's still February, right? I'm I'm already excited for next season. I'm already thinking about free agents and draft picks, and <laughs> and everything that goes along with
1: that. Well, I feel like we're kind of out of our funk now, right? Like, we're just, like, after the Super Bowl and for, like, a week or so after the Super Bowl, it was kind of a lull. It was like, man, like, that could have been us. Like, we could have been playing in it. And now I'm kind of mentally moved on to a, a better place. Wouldn't you say? It sounds like you're in the same headspace. Yeah. I
0: mean, just like any other year, right? Like, just like the drought years, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, we're, few, you know, within a month of free agency, let's see what they're going to do and, and this and that. Um obviously you have more faith in the organization now than, you know, the 15 years prior to that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think, uh, there's definitely some needs. Um, it is kind of funny, right? Like at the end of the year, January, February it's like, oh, they have all these needs. They got the, like five, six of an eight needs. And then, but like by August, they haven't played any games yet. It's like, you know what? This is the year Super Bowl <laughs> every year this doesn't matter yeah. th- when they were like you know 4 and 12 or 13 and 3 and missed it like it, it's the same thing every year
1: <laughs> Every year you're just like they can do this this is the deepest team i remember this team being or this team having the most depth at every position yeah but you know what's funny is you think about during the season like you know that the bills have some weaknesses on the roster every single team in the nfl has some form of weakness that's somewhere in their roster it's just a matter of does it actually show up because of injury or does it end up being as big of an issue as you think it does and i think towards the end of the season especially that Bengals game i think it just really called out the weaknesses that were on the roster specifically that weren't due to injury and i think that that kind of is is driving us and we'll get into it in a little bit but like is is evident by how we position um our biggest needs for the bills roster currently uh as we see it as our discussions have gone as we've ranked them and i think this is going to be a fun conversation Um, i'm going to kick it off right now with um a specific tweet that uh i think kind of shows us exactly you know the biggest needs of the buffalo bills and this came right after the Bengals game the bills Bengals. uh playoff game and it was from michael f florio from uh fantasy football it's the nfl news network fantasy football this tweet by this time has had over a million views right like it's it's a really interesting tweet and i think it kind of sums it up perfectly john so um he wrote yesterday i said that josh allen covers up a lot of bad for the bills and people were quick to say he's not without blame and obviously no quarterback is when their team loses that way but I don't think people realize fully how much he cov- he has covered up for people in that building. Sean McDermott likely isn't going to go anywhere, but for someone whose top qualities are leadership and defensive prowess, he always seems to be getting he always seems to get outcoached in the big games, and the defense always seems to be the ones crumbling. The last four, four playoff exits blew a multiple-score second-half lead. Blown out by KC, 13 seconds, and then yesterday, meaning the Bengals game. The defense the defense can bully bad teams in the regular season, but can't stop a good offense when they have to. At this point, it's a trend, an inexcusable one at that. Brandon Bean gets such a high regard for finding Allen, but that 2018 class was the last of his that had any Pro Bowl players. So much capital has been wasted on undersized D-linemen who can't generate pressure against a backup O-line. They drafted a cornerback in the first and were too scared to use him for most of the year despite the secondary issues. The big addition to the offense was pass-catching running backs, only to never throw the ball to the running backs. The offensive line got ignored despite clear issues. And that's the frustrating part. It's like there was no real plan. The game plan didn't fit the personnel at all. The Bills receivers room had two receivers who could win outside had two receivers who could win outside or downfield and a bunch of slot guys, and then operated an offense built around the deep ball. <clears throat> there was no quick pass aspect to this offense all year. Slot wide receiver role vanished, Allen was expected to scramble to avoid pressure and find someone deep which is even harder when your best deep threat has questionable hands and routinely drops well-placed ones like yesterday. He's clearly talking about Gabe Davis there. The Bills hired a first-year play caller in the most offensive-driven era in the NFL history in their championship window despite one not having won a Super Bowl in over t- 30 years. Just short-sighted moves that never seem to gel with any sort of actual plan. There was never any situational football with this team. Yesterday, on maybe the biggest play of the game, third and two, they threw 40 yards downfield and then punted. It largely felt like Dorsey would pick a play at random. And not just yesterday, this was all year long. They can out-talent teams in the regular season, and Josh Allen is a unicorn who can play hero ball and save the day most of the time. But if he has an off game, this team has no shot of beating an actual good team. This roster is very flawed, and now it's aging with little cap. Take Allen off this team, and I'm not sure they're 500. Turnovers have been an issue, but that's to be expected when Allen is asked to match Mahomes' Burrow stats with his arm, while also being the team's RB one. It's a ton to ask of any player, especially with this play calling. The approach this—I I forgot how long this was. By the way, <laughs> I apologize for people listening, but this is really good stuff. Uh, the approach to building this team needs to change. It can't be invest. It can't be invest in the defense, and Allen will carry the offense every game. If McDermott and Frazier can't figure it out with so much invested into it, change gears. If there was ever a time to change, it's now. The defense has seen, has been built around six players. Two are free agents in Poyer and Edmonds. Three are working back from severe injuries: Tradavius White, Von Miller, and Micah Hyde. And the other is Milano. I don't know how they work around those contracts, but they have to try and fix it. Start loading up around Allen and trying to outscore everyone. It's basically what they have to do in the playoffs anyway. I'm frustrated, as I'm sure many Bills fans are right now. We'll 100% be back next year, but really hoping we see some changes before then. So, John, a lot to take in with that long Twitter thread. I mean, I I forgot how long it was. I thought it was just like four or five tweets. It was like ten tweets um i think that kind of goes goes into what we were saying for like the last six weeks of the regular season on this podcast and then also what we mentioned with that greg cosell clip when he was on the ross tucker podcast show which is basically the bills on offense have stefan diggs and josh allen and then just some other people right like it kind of goes along that thread so when you hear that like in your mind you hear like you have to start building around josh allen for once right yeah
0: absolutely um It was pretty depressing after (laughs) I was so excited when we started. Now I'm a little depressed. (laughs) Um, no, they, they need more receivers. I I think after last year, we assumed that Gabe Davis was going to take the next big stop. Um, and he had a lot of splash plays this year, but, um, it would, there was no consistency. Um, and like they have a lot of slot receivers that was mentioned. Uh, but they don't have a true number two, um, opposite digs and i think that would go a long way and uh obviously there's offensive line issues and, and uh, other things at play um that he talks about the defense like it's next to impossible to have a good offense like a great offense and a great defense right you have to you, you almost have to pick one right you have Allen. like let them outscore everybody like Build their own Allen, let them outscore everybody. I'm not saying, like, screw the defense over, but, like, you have to pick and choose. And, like, like every year has been a first-round pick has been defense. Uh, most of their second-round picks have been de- high-round picks have been defense or, or or running back, but that's another discussion. Uh, yeah, just...
1: Well, know. he was saying, like, with, with the defense, letting the team down, I mean, I I, w- I would argue that... The offense definitely let the team down this past year, but in the past, like he mentioned, that the defense looked awful against the Chiefs last season. It Looked awful against the Chiefs two years ago, and then in the Texans game, like they couldn't stop them um, in that game either. Like Deshaun Watson, like making the game-winning drive. Like it's it's a trend for sure. But like you said, it, it, give give Josh Allen. The weapons. When when I am reading these tweets again for like you know the tenth time that I've done it, and this is the first time out loud. I am seeing it's like it, I almost feel bad for Josh Allen because if you think about all the draft capital the Bills have put high draft capital the Bills have put towards defense, it's almost a shame that they have like just hoping that Josh Allen can do exactly what he's doing, and it's almost um, I feel bad for him. You know, it's 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 a travesty that they've that they've ignored his protection and his receiving weapons and have just kind of gone along with it, hoping that Gabe Davis takes the next step, hoping that Isaiah McKenzie will become a true slot receiver, hoping that, you know, Jameson Crowder is going to not stay, not be injured and like not be washed up I at mean, his age. Or I mean,
0: It hasn't been all bad. Like they did bring in Diggs, right? Yeah. That's huge right there. That alone is huge. They brought in Mitch Morris. That's again, huge. Um, like, there have been things that they've done well. Um, but, yeah, they've been fo- so focused on the defense, as expected, right? McDermott's a defensive, like, when they're playing the Bengals in the playoffs, right? Like, he was the only defensive head coach left, right? Like, everybody else was offense. It's like, oh, well, this is <laughs> foreboding. But, like, I mean, that's not bad. Belichick was the defensive head coach, right? And they won all the Super Bowls. So it's not, I mean,
1: it's not that. Can I can I say that you're right? I d- I don't necessarily think it's that specifically. Now here's a thought that I have and I'm so glad that you mentioned McDermott being defensive-minded head coach because between McDermott and Fraser, I mean they have over 40 something years of coaching experience on the defensive side. And I mean Ken Dorsey, this is his first year last season as an offensive coach. Um, offensive coordinator, rather. He's been an offensive coach for like six years or so, but, you know, first as uh, as an offensive coordinator, whereas you see like the defensive side of the well, has so much years of coaching experience. Wouldn't you think, just based on that alone, that if you were to allocate assets and provide either better free agents or better draft uh, capital in one area, knowing those two things, wouldn't you want to divert those assets to the offensive side of the ball and give them a better leg up, knowing that you have so much experience on the defensive side of the ball that you can coach up lesser talent to to play better when you need to, right? Like, if you have, like, a fifth-round defensive tackle, because Leslie Frazier and John McDermott have been doing it so long, like, maybe you te- maybe you coach him up to a fourth- or third-round level, you know, whereas, you know, you give him, you know, you give... Uh, Ken Dorsey, a fifth-round offensive tackle, and he might not even play as a fifth-round offensive tackle. Like, just because, I mean, who has he got to coach him up, you know, specifically in that realm? And and I know that's putting too much on the coordinators, but at the same time, like, if you're going to give someone more of a benefit of the doubt that they need, they need that better draft capital, and they need those higher price free agents, it's the offensive side of the ball, right?
0: Well, so, yeah, so now you're talking about Brandon Bean territory and putting his foot down. I understand they all work in concert and everything, but I mean, there's also the possibility that it just worked out that way over the last several years that, hey, this defensive guy we have in the tier above any of these other guys, including some of the offensive players, so we have to take this guy. Like, true, I, I could understand that if that's the case. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But it does sounds seem, like you are apologizing
1: for Brandon Bean. It does.
0: <laughs> it does seem like. <laughs> no, I know, I know what you mean. It could more, be coincidence.
1: It could be more coincidence for sure.
0: Yeah, it does seem like the need to make more of an effort on helping out an offense. Could, could you imagine if, like, Allen had two receiving weapons and a good offensive line? No, forget it.
1: No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the closest. So, so, so the ant the other argument against. What Mike Florio just tweeted about, which I read, was that two years ago, with a lot of the same offensive linemen, a lot of the same receiving weapons and running backs, the Bills were an unstoppable offensive juggernaut. They scored like the most points per game in like, NFL history in the playoffs between the Patriots beat down and then the Kansas City Chiefs game, which they just barely lost. Like they were playing at another level. And you think about it, what's really changed from that offense? Player-wise, like, I think they're losing. They don't have the same right guard that they had that year or whatever. Ryan Bates was moved over from left guard to right guard. They had Roger Saffold this last year, whatever. Okay, offensive line-wise, mostly the same, including Spencer Brown. And then you talk about receivers. Well, they still had Diggs. They still had Davis. um, They still had Isaiah McKenzie. Like, they had Emmanuel Sanders. They don't have Emmanuel Sanders this last year. Okay, they have James Cook this year. They didn't have James Cook last year, but they had Devin Singletary. You know, that Devin Singletary was still playing. So, like, from a personnel standpoint, it was a very similar. So then comes the variable of being Ken Dorsey, being the offensive coordinator. So as much as we like to talk about players, and we're going to, and it's we can't control who the offensive coordinator is. Not that I'm against Ken Dorsey, but it stands to reason that, you know, Mike Florio mentioned this. You're giving... You're handing the keys of this unicorn over to your first year play caller because Josh Allen liked him and that's great. But Josh Allen's also a young kid. Like he's going with familiarity over versus like, you know, other guys that they could have brought in that maybe had tons more experience in Kendor's, you know?
0: Yeah, but they think about it this way, they won more games this year and they got knocked out in the same round they did with Abel. At least this that's last true. year. Yeah, right. So they maybe he did better. One won more games, get knocked out in the same round. Second year, mm-hmm. do even better, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would
1: argue – I didn't think we would talk about this tonight, but I'd argue that this is a make-or-break season for Ken Dorsey. Part of me thinks that if they hit a same lull with offensive production with the players that they have on this roster in 2023 – I think I think he gets the can I I wouldn't have said that after one season but two seasons I think he does and they got a
0: rough schedule going in next year at Cincinnati at Kansas City mm. at Philadelphia at the Chargers mm. like
1: it's gonna be brutal those are tough games yeah yeah so that's what I was kind of thinking like it was an interesting conversation it's an interesting topic um, if it wasn't for that Greg Cassell t- um you know clip on the Ross Tucker podcast and if it wasn't for Mike Florio's like really well articulated tweet like this kind of goes right into our discussion of biggest needs for the Buffalo Bills so John um, do you want to lead this off or you want me to lead this off as far as your biggest need we kind of we have a combined list and we've collaborated to make this list of the highest needs and a lot of these are obvious but i think that there's some discussion to have whether we can move some of these up or down one or two spots but john do you want to start off with uh with number one
0: yes my number one is wide receiver wide receiver which any specific wide receiver somebody that can catch the ball (laughs) (laughs) no seriously like i mean no, I don't have a specific. I meant slot or boundary, boundary. Slot and no. boundary, slaughter no, boundary. No, no, a, a true number two opposite of digs. So yes, I'm, I'm, I think they're going to be uh, not slot mm-hmm. between Shakir and whoever else they have or or may bring in. I, I think they're going to be okay at slot, but I, I think they need a true number two on the outside opposite of Diggs.
1: Yes, I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um. So I'm going to go with the, the what's number two on the list, but I could easily see this as number one, and I might think of it in my own head as number one. These are kind of interplayable between wide receiver is offensive line, specifically interior offensive line. Um, we mentioned last week when we did the Demar Hamlin jacket and like pending free agents podcast that uh, Ryan Bates moving from right guard to left guard where Roger Saffold is a free agent, so he won't be there anymore at the left guard position. Ryan Bates moving from right guard to left guard could be a huge upgrade just on that side of the line. And then also, because that's where he played in 2021 when the Bills were playing really well offensively and they had good protection. And then you're talking about Spencer Brown at right tackle, uh, you know, potentially playing better because he was recovering from back surgery. I don't think he even started... I'm trying to remember. I know he didn't practice in OTAs. I don't think he was even there for most of training camp at right tackle. I'm almost positive he wasn't. So we're, now we're getting, hopefully, hopefully a fully healthy Spencer Brown, a third-year fully uh, healthy Spencer Brown at right tackle. So now you're left with right guard. Right guard, we don't have anyone playing right now at that position. Like, we don't have anyone. So I would argue that right guard is... Is the number one need, or at least interior offensive lineman? Because if you could find someone that's a right guard slash center, like then you then you take care of everything, right? Like because then you you not only have a starter this year, but you have potential starter um, after next season if the Bills move on from Mitch Morse, or if Mitch Morse, God forbid, gets another concussion, like they, then you have that covered. So I, as much as I agree, like I like wide receiver a lot. I think I'm going to put offensive lineman a little bit ahead, but I could definitely see either or, I mean, you're kind of talking one, a one B there. So, but either way, I think we're, we both agree with basically what Mike Florio was talking about wide receiver and offensive lineman.
0: Yep.
1: So there's agree. I agree. One, a one B one, a one B. So there was actually uh, I did a poll on Twitter. So what's a bigger need for the bills in 2023 offensive line or wide receiver. And kind of surprisingly, I thought it'd be more 50, 50 offensive line ran away with it. 86% um, running away with it. And, And to that, I would say, like, I think the Bills need to utilize their weapons more, like, including Dawson Knox. But they could definitely upgrade over Gabe Davis with a second-round pick or something like that this year, potentially, you know? Um, The only thing that's unfortunate is uh, I just did a podcast on Thursday or Friday morning with uh, a gentleman, Joe DeLeon, from... uh, the Believe in NFL Drafts uh, Prospects podcast. And he was saying interior offensive line is like one of the weakest positions in the draft this year. So uh, hopefully free agency, they can find someone. Um, and this kind of goes into our next discussion is uh, is those first two positions don't necessarily have to do with pending free agents, but this third position does, John. And, and what do we have at number three? So you
0: could go in a couple different directions with this need uh for me the third biggest need is safety with poor obviously free agent um we're not really sure on the status of Demar hamlin who is mm-hmm. Porter's direct backup um I'd, I'd probably go with safety and then i think um i think you mentioned earlier uh, maybe before we recorded that Micah hyde was up his contract was up like after the next year
1: yep correct Correct. So like there's, there's a need if we don't sign Poyer and we have this list based on us not resigning Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds, just because we don't know at this, at this point. And if they do sign one of those guys, obviously safety moves down. You know, I don't know how many spaces it moves down. We'll have to see, but safety is definitely a need immediately. And then it still becomes a need after 2024. Like you said, after Micah Hyde's contract is, is up. So um, they have an immediate need and then they have a long-term need. Nope. Nope. I agree. Number three, safety on that one. Um, By the way, when we were talking number one, 1A, 1B, wide receiver, offensive lineman, like I talk about this every year on the podcast, I feel like. When you have your franchise quarterback, you need to draft at least one offensive lineman and at least one wide receiver slash pass catcher for your quarterback every single year. Like, you're doing them a, diss- a disservice if you're not constantly giving them weapons and protection. You know what I mean? Like, because you, you normally have at least seven draft picks, usually. And the way that Brandon Bean does it with trades, like, it's usually more than that. Like, you're doing Josh Allen a disservice as a quarterback if you're not protecting him or giving someone to throw to, you know?
0: Yeah, don't end up being like Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, that, that whole scenario, where they never draft a receiver or anybody to help them out.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you look at the like the teams that were successful for a long time, like just, for example, like Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. How many times did he have a number one wide receiver that was like a top 10 wide receiver in the league? Whether it was Antonio Brown, whether it was Hines Ward, whether it was Plaxico Burris or whatever, like he always seemed to have because they kept drafting him. And I'm not even talking like first round picks, you know, like they just kept drafting them, and eventually they would hit on him, you know, so... Yeah, anyway, but yeah, going back to what you were saying, safety, number three, I like that one. Number four, I have middle linebacker. Uh, with Tremaine Edmonds, um, is, I didn't even know that this article existed by the time we recorded last week's podcast because we mentioned, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is a pending free agent. That's obvious. But, like, there was an article at Fox Sports basically saying he's willing to test the market. You know, um, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but. John, I don't know if you, I I know I texted you like a a clip of the article, but nothing in that article made me think that he wants to be here for sure. Because usually those free agents for a team will posture themselves. As saying, like, actually going out of their way to saying, I want to be here. I want to be a Buffalo Bill. I want to stay here. I love it here. You know, we'll just see if we can make something work, right? Like, that's kind of how they end it. But there was nothing about Tremaine Edmonds where he went on and on about, like, wanting to be here. It's like, yeah, you know, I enjoy my time there. He's like, but I'm ready to see what else is out there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, all that aside, like, I think Edmonds is probably going to command more money than he might be worth. I, I like Edmonds a lot. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, and him paired with Milano to me is like second to Poyer and Hyde. But they're already over the cap, <laughs> so yes. Like, what what are they going to do, right? Um,
1: exactly. Like they I, can't I, even. It's not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen. I don't think. And um, like there's so this article from um, the Buffalo News said that said that. Uh, the price towards seventeen, like we were thinking, like 14, 14 million, I think, is what Track had, like per year, like average wise, is what Last Edmonds was looking it was to get. It was, it was 11? eleven. That's right. Was it eleven? Was it eleven? Okay. Yeah. So in this article, they said he could get up to seventeen million per year, which is a huge, a huge number over eleven million a year. You are thinking about a five or six year contract. You know, like yeah, there you're, there was. You are talking about defense. Defensive lineman at that point,
0: like some yeah, of those numbers
1: exactly, exactly, and and like I think we agree. I know you like you might like Tremaine Edmonds a little bit more than I do, but like that would put him for seventeen million years, basically, basically the fourth highest inside linebacker in the NFL. It puts him um, as highly paid as, as CJ Mosley of the, of the Jets. Now we only see CJ Mosley a couple times a year, and I know he's had an injury history, but CJ Mosley at times can be a game-wrecker. We've seen it against the Buffalo Bills. That's why they beat the Bills in... Yeah, he's he's well, good
0: against the Bills.
1: He's good. Against, he's really good against the Bills, right? <laughs> and I don't know if we've ever seen Tremaine Edmonds play at that level. If you're signing Tremaine Edmonds for $17 million a year, you're hoping that he eventually reaches that ceiling that we've been hearing about for the last five years, you know? And this is after a season in which he had the best offensive line... or I'm sorry, the best defensive line ahead of him... To keep him clean. So, uh, Plus, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, that's still an issue too, the defensive line.
1: The defensive line, it is still an issue. And what's what's crazy is, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just... To me, if you're going to pay someone as a top five player in the league, you better damn well think that that person is a top... You better know he's a top five player. You know what I mean? You can't pay him hoping that he's going to become that top five player after five years. Like you better know that he's going like when the bills re-signed Matt Milano, I wasn't like, well, good. Maybe now he'll start performing or maybe now he'll reach that level. I mean, he actually did get better this season, like much better this season. I mean, he was great before that. So I guess that's where I come out with Tremaine Edmonds. Like if, if, uh, if that's the case, um, and it's 17 million a year, I'm okay. Letting him walk. I'm going to miss him. And, uh, and I, you know, I I think the Bills might have a lull, but if you take that money and you apply it to weapons or offensive linemen, I think you kind of make up for it in some way, shape, or form. So um I wrote as a Twitter poll, do the Bills resign Tremaine Edmonds at seventeen million a year? And Bills fans said sixty two percent said no. They don't. So they're kind of in the same in the same group as, as us kind of thinking. Only
0: sixty two percent for seventeen million. Like I would think that eleven million might be sixty two percent.
1: To, to say no to signing him, right? Like seventeen, you think, seventeen million.
0: I think it would be much, much bigger percentage, much higher. To say no like, actually. like ninety
1: percent are like, no way, right?
0: Yeah, they don't yeah. have any money to do it. Who, who are they? Know they got They got to like. They already have to restructure players just to get under the cap and resign rookies and and everything mm-hmm. else, and do anything mm-hmm. in free agency. But to yep. resign a guy for seventeen million, like they got to cut some prominent other prominent players. Or trade or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean it's possible that you know they with the position so we have it a number four middle linebacker it's possible that they tender Tyrell Dodson unlike Dane Jackson I don't think that they'll see a lot of competition for Tyrell Dodson so you have a guy that's been in the system you draft a guy I was talking with Joe DeLeone, like I just mentioned on Thursday's podcast and he gave me some names to look for in the draft so if the Bills don't end up uh re-signing Tremaine Edmonds you know they'll sign someone at linebacker um in free agency um definitely not for 17 million maybe more like you know 10 11 who knows maybe even 6 7 8 9 and then they also fill that in with like a day two pick or something you know um but they really don't have any depth because Tremaine Edmonds is a unrestricted free agent and then you also have uh, Tyrell Dotson is a restricted free agent, so you only bring back one of those guys. Matt Milano's, you know, your weak side linebacker. Then you also have, uh, you know, Ter- Terrell Bernard, who could potentially maybe look at that middle linebacker position. But from what I've read uh, from people that actually watch the tape, like that, he doesn't sound like he was really ready for it when he was playing there at that position or when he played at all this season. So I'm not really uh, optimistic on that front. So, John, so we listed wide receiver number two, offensive linemen, spe- specifically interior offensive line. But although I will say, real quick, as far as offensive line, we talked about potentially guard center. I would also put in the mix, like, guard slash tackle. Because uh, in talking with Joe DeLeone, he was like, you know, there's the interior offensive line is very shallow he's like but there's more tackles this year so there's lots of room to maybe potentially move a guy from tackle to guard so imagine if you had a guy that could do both or play in a bind you know if if spencer brown went out or whatever you know could potentially play at that position so um i like that so then we have safety middle linebacker who do you have in number five john what do you have in number five position wise
0: uh for me there's two major things left um but um and they're both on the defensive line. <laughs> so I'll go with defensive tackle. Um, I think, like, especially looking at the playoffs, like, Ed Oliver hasn't quite lived up to expectations. Um, and they don't have a whole lot behind him. Daquan Jones has played well. Um, but I like Daquan Jones a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I think both those guys are up soon next year maybe maybe not this year
1: yes yes so so th- so i'm glad you brought that up because some of the rankings in free agency for this year also kind of has a has to do with next year's free agency as well because you're also kind of looking forward at this point now we're looking at the fifth biggest need like you could look forward to 2024 you could have a depth need right now and a potential starting need next year right cuz we know Brandon Bean likes to look at that as well. So this year defensive end and defensive tackle um, just to kind of give uh folks an idea is that you know we kind of have them as like you know A and B, right? Defensive tackle, defensive end. Like we're kind of talking between what do we have what do we think is a bigger need this season? Defensive so the pending free agents for the Buffalo Bills are Jordan Phillips at defensive tackle and Shaq Lawson at defensive end, right? So like it's a one you lose one of each one, um, so that's that's kind of where defensive tackle and defensive end come in. Um, but next season, you lose uh, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, and Tim Settle at defensive tackle, and A.J. Epinesa at defensive end. So just from a number standpoint, in the next two seasons, you lose four defensive tackles to free agency and two defensive ends. So I'd argue from that standpoint, this year being a really deep uh, – draft a defensive tackle and defensive end i feel like defensive tackle is a little bit higher yeah
0: yeah and and it's close right because like we don't know von miller like 100 percent to start the year probably not i don't know for sure um they still got a couple young guys who are so ambassioned yep. but i yeah it, I, for me i'd have to give the edge to tackle
1: i mean and they could reach they could Bring back um, Jordan Phillips, and you're just like, okay, well, then that gets knocked down, right? Like a, a spot now. Defensive end is the bigger of those two needs, right? So, like, it doesn't uh, take much to to offset yeah, that.
0: I don't know. I I, I don't know if, if Phillips would sway it that much for me. No. Okay. Okay. I think I like Phillips if, when he was healthy. Who, who who would you who would you rather have back if you could only pick one, Lawson or Phillips?
1: Ah, uh, I want to say Phillips. I want to say a healthy Phillips because it felt like at the beginning of the season. And Ed Oliver was out for a little bit. Like, he was a good backup. And I felt like he was just... There were points where it didn't feel like we missed a step with him in the lineup. But Lawson was just, like, a pure rotational player. And that's all he was paid to be, and that's all he really was, especially when Von Miller went out. Like, he had some flashes, but for the most part, I I didn't really love what I saw from Shaq Lawson. Don't don't get me wrong, I didn't think he was bad, but... I, I mean... He's not better than Greg Rousseau, and he maybe is on the same level as A.J. Epinesa. So it's like, well, you know, we'll just keep A.J. Epinesa next year, you know, and 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 I, I you, it sounds like you would rather keep Shaq Lawson.
0: I think so. Not, I mean, not by a lot, but if I had to choose, I, I might pick Lawson. I think he does well against um, – he's always done really well against the run. Um, it sets the edge really nice. Phillips is good rotational guy too, so I mean, I mean, it's tough. That's why I asked the question.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Everything you said is right. He's a good he's a good run uh, defensive end. Um, I just don't think he offers a ton for pass rush. He's just a depth guy. But at the same point, I think it'd be easier to re-sign, you know, Sheck Lawson for a, a cheaper deal than it would be Jordan Phillips. So. Uh, you know it's it's more likely that we'll get him back but you know in talking with you know Joe Giolione like there's a there's definitely potential to get like some decent depth in like a day 2 day 3 pick so uh I'm all for that as well so we have defensive tackle defensive end at 5 and 6 number 7 John your favorite position for for any bills regime for the last 25 30 years to draft is this position I'd say number 7 is it
0: my turn already? Number seven?
1: <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah, number seven. The so way you
0: phrase that, I said, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm debating. I'm tongue-in-cheek, so, okay, so, I'm tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the first six, then there's like a like a, a line, right? And then, okay. So, <laughs> yes, what, what, do you want me to make about, a physical line?
1: What we're talking about
0: it. after after these first six positions is like, yeah, I guess. So, running back might be next, only because... Singletary and Taiwan Jones are both free agents, and all they have after that, not cutting the fullback, Cook and Hines. And there's a good
1: possibility. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, you're going to say there's a a possibility they might cut Hines because of his his, uh, contract. Let's
1: cap it. Yeah. Everything we mentioned about the cap, but go ahead.
0: Now, so, like, during the drought, I was hating every moment of them drafting first-round running backs, Right is like I I want on the singer it McGahee and like Spiller and yep. I don't Marshawn, even Lynch. Oh, Marshawn Lynch Marshawn Lynch and then they traded for McCoy they traded a the first round pick for and like you know he, he, even Derrick Henry was a second round pick like all these guys but they they never and they were great. The running backs are great. Mm-hmm. but the rest of the offense was dismal. <laughs> like they couldn't do any. <laughs> like I, it drove me crazy. And like why you why you keep wasting why why don't you draft quarterbacks with all these picks? Right. Like that was the yeah. thing with. So now in recent years they've been drafting second and third round picks. They're drafting Singletary and Zach Moss and James, James Cook, Cook and like it's like oh okay oh do you think you're one running back away? And no you're not. You're, it's that's that's not it. You're still drafting. <laughs> Like, exactly, Fred Jackson as an undrafted guy. Was just as good <laughs> as most <laughs> of those other guys, right? Yeah, like, it drives me insane. But just based on the number of people they have, as far as they need, yeah, like you know, I mean, they could sign somebody cheap in free agency, draft draft somebody late, but mm-hmm. I don't want them for you know, you know, like I'm saying. T- tweets about Derrick Henry or like, (laughs) you know, the, the, the rumors about Saquon uh, Barkley earlier in this, you know, last year. And then like, no, I don't want to do it.
1: (laughs) I think, I I will say, I think the rumors around Christian McCaffrey were definitely real just because being drafted him, he knew him really well. And I think that they were willing to do it until they saw the compensation that the Panthers wanted. But other than that, I don't know if they'd be willing to, to pull the trigger on like a Saquon Barkley or, or whatnot, if it wasn't you know the right cost and both financially and draft pick wise, I think Christian McCaffrey was just kind of like you know that that pie in the sky, like wow, everything's almost about to work out perfectly, and then it didn't. But but yeah, I John, a hundred percent, like they, it, it frustrated me because you know you and I have been friends for geez twenty years now, more than that, and it's like we would watch. The Bills have a perfectly good running back in Fred Jackson. Now, was he as good as Marshawn Lynch? No. But could you argue that he's like 70% of Marshawn Lynch? And then you could have drafted like a quarterback or a wide receiver or a tight, someone better than, you know. Th- you Like, I remember when they drafted C.J. Spiller. I'm like, what are you doing? You already have Marshawn Lynch and Fred Jackson. What are you doing getting C.J. Spiller? Like, draft a freaking wide receiver or whatever. I don't know. Like, a defensive tackle. Something. Something other than what you already have. <laughs> you know? So, that'd be like the Bills drafting a cornerback in the first round. It's like, wait, you just did that last year. And then you also have a healthy Tredavious White. Like, what are you doing? You know? I, I like that one. Uh, And and we'll go into actual free agent running backs that we like next week and the week after that before free agency. But uh, I think either the Bills cut Naeen Himes because right now his average salary is like 11th or 12th best in the NFL because running backs don't get paid a whole lot. I mean, you have like the top four or five is, you know, McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon Barkley, And I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but it's like Naeem Himes isn't even in that discussion. So he either needs to take a pay cut or they need to um, cut him outright. Because unless they plan on using him a lot more in the passing game and the running game, I'm talking like, you know, seven, eight targets a game plus, you know, six, seven runs a game. Like he's just not worth that number whatsoever. Um. So I think running backs definitely. I, I I like that where it is. Again, I don't love that. You I think you could get a, a position. We talked about this before recording. Like you could take a, an undrafted guy and be like, okay, that's your that's your backup to Cook, right? <laughs> like if he's a good enough undrafted guy. Um, yeah. I'll go. Net. God.
0: Sorry. Sorry, not to cut you off, but like, um, like Singletary also was really good at pass blocking too. I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't notice one way or the other with Cook, but that mm-hmm. might be a factor in what they decide to do um, mm-hmm. for next year. But I, I didn't really, I couldn't really tell one way or the other, or I didn't. I guess I didn't pay attention enough.
1: I mean, there's a small possibility they get Singletary back at a cheaper deal. You know, like it just with the way that these running back contracts are going. Or if they don't, then they get maybe you know someone else that's a veteran that has that you know uh, has that. Acumen that's a, a good blocker on pass downs and and you know could could uh, play a, and be a platoon with James Cook and I could see that happening very easily yep. too you know the, a discount that's
0: exactly what I was thinking I thought that Singletary could be back um if not there could be somebody like you know like an Alexander Madison or somebody
1: well you were just saying with the second and third round picks. For the Buffalo Bills being Singletary a third, Zach Moss a third, and James Cook a second, like at what position in the draft this year? If they don't really address in free agency, would you be pissed that they took a running back at what round? Because I mean, people have been talking about the Bills taking a running back in the first round, which uh, I don't know. Day I know three, you're not a day f- three <laughs> or undrafted.
0: I... <laughs> like or, fourth, or, fourth round is the earlier. Or they get somebody cheap in free agency ahead of time. That's fine too. Yeah, on like a two million dollar deal or whatever, but like, no.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I day three at the earliest for me too. I don't. I I know people want Bijan Robinson. Like, if you could take the best play, I just I I don't, I don't. Even if he's the best running back in the draft, like, sure he'll be better than James Cook, um, and that scenario. But I mean, I mean, you I guess it depends too, right? Like, like if that guy is like in their tier.
0: Like they're drafting at 30 or 27 or whatever, at 26, mm-hmm. whatever. 27, 27. So like if that guy is like what tier one or two, what two, let's say tier two. And like, what, what if like wide receiver and offensive line, the next guy they have is their tier four. It's like, well, they got to take that guy. Right. I guess.
1: I guess that's the only scenario that I could see is if there's a run on all these positions that we have at like, you know, one, two and three or something yeah. like that. And well, they'll there's probably just take a defensive this... player
0: anyway, but we're just,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll be taking, yeah, they'll easily take a defensive tackler. So something. best like that. defensive um, player available, let's go. <laughs> uh, let's ignore Josh Allen again. Um, so I have as the next, a number eight, now we're getting into the lower, lower tiers for sure of needs, is I have tight end. And I think this has been a position of need for a few seasons. We've actually just been lucky in the fact that Dawson Knox hasn't been too injured. Quinton Morris is an okay backup. And then Tommy Sweeney has just kind of been there. Uh, but they could have upgraded at backup tight end for a while. And I thought they were going to with OJ Howard. And then they just ended up cutting him right before the season. And, you know, that the rest is history. But I think they could easily upgrade over Tommy Sweeney and even Quinn Morris um, at tight end. And I think that that's, you know, I know Reggie Gilliam is kind of like a fullback tight end hybrid or whatever. Um, uh, but I think that they could, you know, take someone in the in a fourth or fifth round or day D3 pick and have him become like a, a decent backup. Uh, you know, not as good as Dawson Knox, but, you know, have that potential to be a starter in a pinch. That's better than, you know what we had before. I know we're talking draft picks a lot, but I I mean the tight end, a veteran tight end as well. I mean, for sure that that's not as good as Dawson Knox. I believe Dawson Knox is is, you know, top 10 tight end. Um it's just a matter of, you know, finding a guy that would be a a a, a decent veteran backup. So John, that was number 8. What do you have for number 9 as the next need and we're and we're gonna wrap this up pretty soon because we've hit almost every every position group on the field.
0: Yeah, we're we're nitpicking after this point, right? Yeah. Um I say what you have in your list there, but I'm gonna call it audible. I so like we talked about inside linebacker, middle linebacker, but just outside and in general linebacker um might be next. Like it, they got Milano and then
1: Terrell Bernard and Bernards Bernard. They That's have Specter,
0: who's like a special team guy. Spectre. Dodson is good, I think. He's a restricted free agent. I'm assuming they're going to tender him, but you know, Medvedevich, free agent. Klein is a free agent. Obviously, we talked about Edmonds. Um, I think just more linebackers. Still, mm-hmm. I, I um, we talked inside specifically, so I'm just going to say outside linebacker. But um, I. think... I don't know if they're going to change their philosophy at all. Like, 95%, 98% of the time, they're in nickel, which I I can understand why they do that. Like, I would think that, oh, you know, Josh Allen, the offense, they're going to score all these points, so the other team is going to be forced to pass eventually. So if we give up some runs, that's fine. Um, I don't expect them to change that necessarily, but if they do they'll need more linebackers, right?
1: I would... Wouldn't it be nice, and I know they run, like you just said, nickel formation most of the time. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if they they did have the option to bring in a third linebacker as needed? Like, even when Tremaine Edmonds was here, and, and if he continues to be here, I'd argue exactly what you said. Like, it'd be nice to have a good-sized linebacker or maybe, like, you know, a, a linebacker safety hybrid or something that you know can come in on the field as much as I like Taron Johnson I like him a lot he's probably one of the best slot corners in the NFL but there's something to be said when a team has a an offensive line that's just barreling you over It'd be nice to have a a, a big linebacker like another Tremaine Edmonds or mamelano to to put it up there when you needed them you know I like that audible is what I'm saying <laughs> more linebacker depth we said middle linebacker before and now just general linebacker depth Balen Spector is going to be on the team. He's a special teams guy. Have a guy that can compete with him for better depth, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Number 10 I have on the list is backup quarterback. Now, we paid Case Keenum $6 million last year, which I totally get. It was insurance. Um, The Bills are going to need to find another backup quarterback. Uh, I don't see it happening in the draft. I don't know if it will ever happen in the draft as long as – I mean, maybe if someone like a Jake Fromm falls to the Bills, but even so, I mean, he didn't look good at all. And then the Giants eventually poached him off our practice squad. So um, I think the Bills are probably going to have to look and and, and I think there's some options in free agency that we can take a look at next week and the week after for backup quarterbacks. I know there will be, uh, but. Uh, I'm gonna put that there just because of the importance of the position. And, but let's be honest, I mean if Josh Allen is gonna miss the entire season or a good chunk more than just four or five games, I mean the season's done. Like there's the the whatever we just talked about, wide receiver, offensive line, it doesn't matter if Josh Allen's out. Um so uh backup quarterback is important, but for that five game stretch, hopefully it is all it would ever maximize to that I think that that's a position that the the Bills need to look at, especially with Case Keenum gone. They really don't have anyone behind them. I mean, Matt Barkley, I'm sure, won't be back um, unless, you know, Josh Allen wants him back. Um, Barkley
0: can punt in a pinch,
1: remember? That's right, that's right. That's right, he can punt in a pinch. Um, number 11 and 12, John, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on real quick and we'll end this episode. Um, number 11, um, I have, we have as punter and number 12 as cornerback. I mean, we... Um, Sam Munson, our punter from twenty twenty two, is gone. He's a free agent. We might bring him back. Uh but right now, I mean, I was surprised at how easily we found a punter at the last second, uh, last year when Matt Riza was released, you know. I, I mean and and he was good. I I would say that, you know, he was he was definitely better than Matt Hawk. <laughs> I think we could all agree on that. So that's not saying much. <laughs> And then number 12, we have cornerback, and that's just more of depth um, at this point. And John, unless you have anything else to add, I mean, it just kind of goes with the idea that like if Christian Benford stays at cornerback, like I think we have really good depth at cornerback, especially if Dane Jackson uh, stays as a restricted free agent and the Bills tender him. um, I I have a feeling like they're going to tender him without a draft pick because I don't think they want to allocate uh that sort of money because they don't have that sort of money to Dane Jackson so I think he's going to leave but if I had to guess but I think they're going to tender him I think he's going to get poached um so then you're talking if Christian Benford goes to safety which is a possibility then that depth is really lacking all of a sudden it's just Kyrie Elam Tredavious White and then you know no one else I mean it's good it's top tier you know starters but behind them there's nothing else. So corner is definitely something I could see them them looking at um in free agency in the draft. So I think we hit on everything. John, is there anything else that you want to add to this list or anything that we might have uh might have missed? No, we literally covered every position except for kicker and pullback. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think we're good at kicker. I think we're good at kicker this season. Uh yeah, no, no. I, I we we literally went over a lot of stuff right there. It's funny um, for for those listening that have never, none of you have ever sat on, on a pregame um, podcast, you know, su- discussion before we actually hit the record button. But John and I are like, you know, this would probably only be like 20, 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden, look at the clock, and it's fifty-five minutes later. And it's like, okay, well, this is this is kind of where I thought it would be. But I think we hit everything in depth. I think it's going to make the rest of the shows uh, this. Off season until the draft, much more understandable, uh, because uh, you'll know where we're coming from as we're hitting these things. So next week and the week after that, before free agency, we're going to talk players, right? John, we'll talk about players that we like at each position, positions of need that the bills can take a look at. And, uh, and might be, hopefully we're going to pick players that could be an upgrade over the players that we had last season. It might be tough as far as Poyer and Edmonds go to find those, uh, those kinds of players, but you know, we'll do our best to to see what's around and see what the bills might actually uh, target. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, kind of to give you a, uh, a lift behind the curtain, but a look behind the curtain. But this episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. Uh, best sponsor uh, in Western New York, Central New York area. Uh, if you guys haven't checked them out for a concert or anything, um, you're really missing out. Honestly, it's, it's a great time over there. Um, John, just another thing. John and I had our... Uh, had our first annual uh, CTW banquet last night. We went out for drinks with uh, our significant others. Mike wasn't able to make it. He wasn't feeling well. So uh, I guess he, he wasn't there for the first one ever. <laughs> this is our sixth. So we're actually starting our seventh year of podcasting You know, this summer. So we've done six full years of it, um, six and a half years at this point. And uh, it was, uh, it's was it been a fun ride. Uh, it's been fun to talk bills with these guys. Um and uh, wanted to include our wives in it, you know, an, a night away from the kids, had drinks and stuff like that. It was a good time. You know, we'll have to do uh, uh, another thing where we, uh, we get garbage plates or something after the training camp. Maybe we can invite some listeners to that uh, portion of it. That would be fun. I know there's a a few good places around the area. People like to travel to go to training camp for that, so John will have to figure out a time for that. Also, um, if you guys want to give any thoughts on what we mentioned from our uh, off-season needs list, positional needs list, um, let me reread that again. We have 1 and 2, which is basically 1A, 1B, as wide receiver number 2, boundary wide receiver with speed, specifically with speed. Uh, Number 2, offensive lineman, um, guard center, Perhaps mostly guard, but I mean, we would take would definitely like a guard center prospect or maybe a guard tackle prospect number three safety number four middle linebacker number five defensive tackle number six defensive end number seven and then I made sure to put like a line through that john in our list like a horizontal line break through that after number after defensive end because then it goes running back and number seven tight end at number eight linebacker again at number nine just general linebacker and then 10 backup quarterback 11 punter 12 cornerback and some of those are just you know how important do you really value those positions And i think that's why running back is lower on that list is it's just like it's a depth option plus you know we don't really value that position as much and tight end you know i mean you just you value that position but i mean how often do, do teams really have two really good tight ends you know it's just it's just. Not necessarily the case. So, um, you know, so, yeah, so those are our top needs. If you have any uh, thoughts on what this list should actually be, shoot us an email. We'll read it next week when we give you some players to look at. If you have a player that you like that you would really want the Bills to take a look at, maybe Alexander Madison for the running back from the Vikings, for the running back for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I've heard his name thrown around. As long as it's not Derrick Henry, (laughs) you know, for that, um, I think we're good. So feel free to share those with us. DM us on Twitter, Instagram, at CTWpod, or email us, ctwbod, or CTWpod at gmail.com. That is the best play, way to get a hold of us. Um, and this is the time of year to do that because uh, you know, it's, we have more time to read emails and everything like that. So thank you guys all for listening, signing off for John. Go Bills. This is the year. And for me, Nate, go Bills. This is an exciting time to talk Buffalo Bills positional needs. And we'll talk to you guys again next week.